Excellent. Well, we are going to dive into God's Word this morning, and uh, we're continuing our series that we've been in over the last few weeks. If you haven't been um, around the last couple of weeks, we're in this series entitled Wisdom for Life. Wisdom um, for Life. And what we're doing in this series is we're using the wisdom of God's Word to talk about how to handle everyday situations in life. Because in a generation that sells countless self-help books, countless self-development books, they're flying off the shelves every single day, all these self-help books are going. Do you know what? There's no greater place to source wisdom than the Word of God. Because it is the writings that have been authored by wisdom himself, God himself. And so just a, a very quick recap. Week one, we laid a foundation. And if you weren't around, I'd encourage you to catch up on that message um, specifically because it was the foundation for the rest of this um, series. You can listen to it at family.church forward slash listen. And there's all the messages available there. And we were talking about, yeah, God's word can be wisdom, but actually unless you read it, unless you apply it, it's not going to do a whole lot in your life. So we talked about how to read the word, how to apply the word in a very natural way in our everyday life. Then last week, week two, we talked about how to handle conflict. And there was, I, I don't know that I've ever had so much feedback to um, a message positively that how to handle conflict. And there were people, and thank you for uh, what you shared, because it's great to hear what God is doing in your life. But there were people who said they faced certain challenges um, in work during that week that they faced differently because they were now using the wisdom of God's word. I love that. And so we're just believing that God's going to continue to use this series. Now today I want to um, go on a little bit of a different route but stick with the same topic. I want to talk about how to handle disappointment. God's wisdom for how to handle disappointment. What do we mean by disappointment? Now we could put up a dictionary definition up there, but I don't think we really need to do that because the reality is we've all known what it's like at one time or another, in one way or another, for one reason or another. We know what it's like to face disappointment from, I don't know, the very minor things of life. Maybe um, you, you go to your favorite restaurant and they run out of dessert. Oh, you're disappointed. The very minor things of life right through to the big things of life that set you back and cause you to ask some questions, cause you to ask the question, why? And I want to talk on this because, you know, disappointment can at times seem fairly harmless. We can kind of just brush it off, get on with life, and it won't really affect our everyday life. But actually, we need to understand that disappointment is actually a seed that can grow into something far greater in our lives if we allow it to remain. Disappointment with others can cause a relational breakdown if we don't actually deal correctly with that disappointment. Disappointment with circumstance can cause us to feel like we failed and, and, and there's nothing good in us and it can lead to depression and despair in ourselves if we don't understand what disappointment was all about. Disappointment with God can shake your faith. But in that moment, it can be the tip of an iceberg that can cause your very foundations of your understanding of who God is to be shaken to a place where you have doubts about who God really is. You see, in many ways, disappointment is a test of the faith that we say we have. But you can say, I've got faith, I believe God is this, I believe God is that. But disappointment causes us to ask some important questions. Will we keep trusting God when life has disappointed us? 
Will we keep obeying God when we may feel like he's let us down? Will we keep believing God when we're left confused? And as we talk about disappointment today, chances are it doesn't take you long to think back to a time in your life that was pretty major that you feel disappointed by. In fact, maybe you don't even need to think back because it's a present-day reality. This is a very fresh word for some of you. This is a today word because you've walked into this place carrying disappointment, wrestling with disappointment. Maybe one of the first thoughts in your mind when you woke up this morning orbited around the thoughts of disappointment that you face right now. Maybe you know or you've known what it's like to be disappointed with circumstance, disappointed with, with life, the disappointment of a missed opportunity, the, the heartache of grief that you may be battling with, the, the loss of a job, the drifting of a friendship, the constant illness that you're battling with and you don't know which way to turn. Maybe you know or you've known what it's like to be disappointed in others. A friend that let you down. Somebody who said they'd do something and they wouldn't. A boss, a colleague, a, a spouse, a leader, a family member. And you're disappointed. Maybe this morning, if truth be known, you're actually disappointed in yourself. Why have I ended up here again? Why am I doing this again? Why am I back to the same situation? Will I ever change? Why is it always this way? And you're disappointed in yourself. And at times we're even disappointed with God. God, where was my miracle? God, why weren't they healed? And maybe you feel like God's abandoned you, he's let you down, he hasn't been true. God, I don't understand why it's turned out this way and your disappointment. All of us know what it's like to face disappointment. Some of you may be dealing with it right now and the reality is that if you're not you will at one point face disappointment in your future. Now that's not me being pessimistic. I haven't woken up in a bad mood and, and just feeling pessimistic. That's not being um, you know, somebody who's lacking in faith. It's just a reflection of the truth of what the Bible says. That yes, there's a day that's coming where there will be no more tears, no more pain, where we will be with Jesus face to face. But in this present day, in 2021, there will at times be disappointment in this sin-scarred, fallen world. Jesus put it this way. In this world, you will face trouble. There will be disappointments. There will be spiritual trials. James wrote a letter to the church and he says, when you face trials of many kinds, consider it an opportunity for pure joy. Which is kind of like, how did you get there? But well, that's another message for another time. But notice he didn't say if you face trials, he said when you face trials. Paul said something similar to the church in Rome. And actually the Bible is full of, of real life disappointments that people face. And so God's wisdom, the Bible, tells us that life isn't always a bed of roses. God's wisdom tells us that there will at times be things that bring disappointment. And by the way, being a Christian doesn't make you exempt from that. Okay, have you noticed that? Anyone notice that? that being a Christian doesn't mean you avoid disappointment. Maybe some of you were sold to line, hey, become a Christian, nothing will ever go wrong in your life again. And you're like... Um, can, can we have a word about that? Can we, can we go over what you told me that time when you were trying to you know, break my arm and make me become a Christian? No, we've got to deal with realities and the truths that Jesus said, so I'm not going to argue with him. Jesus said, in this world, there will be trials, there will be troubles, there will be disappointments. We still face challenges. 
Okay, well, what's the difference? The difference is now you have one within you who's greater than the world around you. The difference is now that you have the Holy Spirit who enables you to overcome any trial or obstacle that comes your way. There's a difference now, even though we still face disappointment. So here's a question I want to put to you today. How do you react when disappointment comes your way? The bigger things of life. How do you respond? Because when I look at the world and the way that the world responds to disappointment, I see that it actually doesn't deal with it. It doesn't actually handle it. What it does so often is it tries to avoid it or it tries to replace it. Let me explain what I mean by that. One of the things that the world will do when it faces disappointment is it will go down the route of escapism. We've become masters of escapism, not dealing with the the trouble or, or the disappointment that we face. And so we'll head maybe to a substance, to alcohol, to drugs, to any substance that will take away facing up to disappointment. We, we go into a career. Some Christians go into ministry to try and overcome disappointment that they face in life. Some go to food. Others try and have sex with as many different people as possible in order to fill this void within them. Some just go to everyday distractions. And all of these things, conscious or subconscious, have the very same aim in life. To avoid the pain of disappointment. To try and numb the pain of disappointment. See, at times, if you allow yourself to believe it, it can seem far easier to down a bottle of wine than to face up to disappointment. If you allow it to, it can seem a lot more purposeful and good to to throw yourself headfirst into a career where you're prospering and everyone's saying how good you're doing than rather face up to the pain of disappointment. Escapism is the way that the world goes down. Other people turn to anger and resentment. So they, they just allow the disappointment to fester. And you know what? It will grow. And that disappointment, if you allow it to and don't take hold of a root and do something with it, will turn to anger and resentment. And so all of a sudden, you may be angry with yourself. And you choose to self-harm in many different forms that we can self-harm in life today. You, you, you maybe get angry towards others and you want to get even with them. You get angry and resentful of life. And so your number one aim, if you ever met these people, is your number one aim is to go around and make sure nobody else has a good life. If somebody's happy, you're out there to, to ruin it. If somebody's enjoying life, you, you're not handling that, so you want to do something about it because you've just become Mr. Angry and resentful about everything in life because you're disappointed everybody else needs to be disappointed in life. Some get angry or resentful with God. So, so sometimes we avoid or distract ourselves. Sometimes we, we get angry and then other people have become the masters of just bury your head in the sand and pretend it never happened. Let, let's not talk about the disappointment that we faced. Let, let's just carry on. Let's just full steam ahead. And do you know what? In, in the church, we've actually become masters of this. Well, just keep on trucking on. God is good all the time and all the time God is good. And yes, God is good all the time. And yes, that is true, but we serve a God who doesn't want you to ignore your disappointment and your pain and let it fester, but instead he wants you to allow him to heal you, to bring you to a place of wholeness, 
to play, bring you to a place of strength. And ignoring your disappointment isn't God's desire for you. When the world handles disappointment, it doesn't do too well with it. Now, the Bible, as we're seeing throughout the series, offers us a better wisdom. So again, what we're going to do this week is let the Word of God speak for itself. Last week there was a whole load of points today, not so much. There's just two key thoughts that I want to share with you. And then we're going to end by looking at an account in the Gospels of how Jesus can turn disappointment to joy and to hope. So here's a key takeaway for you this morning if you're taking notes. Handling disappointment God's way leads to healing and hope. We've just looked at how the world messes it up and handles disappointment. When you choose to use God's wisdom, I pray that if you take nothing else away from this morning, you take away this thought that handling disappointment God's way leads to healing and hope. Now, we've just talked about some of the world's way that it will try and numb it, it will try and escape it, it will try and avoid it, whatever it might be. But here's a contrary wisdom that the world word gives to us. If you want to handle disappointment correctly, here's what we need to do. Turn to God for comfort and not to other things. I know that may sound so very simple, but how often do we not do this? Turn to God for comfort and not to other people, not to other things, not to other substances, not to other... Turn to God for comfort and not to other things. You see, the things that we use to escape the pain that we feel, be it alcohol for one person, be it a career, be it a relationship, be it a pursuit of possessions, they may temporarily numb the pain, but guess what? It won't be long before that pain rears its ugly head again. It won't be long before the, the effects of numbing wear off and you're feeling that disappointment and pain all over again. Now here's what God wants you to do, because in those moments you may be tempted to turn your back on him. You may be tempted to, to just walk away from your faith. My faith doesn't work. I hear people, I talk with them and say, faith doesn't work. God doesn't work like he's some kind of magic lamp that we rub. God doesn't work. Now listen, God wants to do a work in your life. And it's in those moments we can't run from God. We need to realize that our God is a comforter. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 3. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 3, Paul says this, All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and he is the source of all comfort. Our Heavenly Father, the Bible says, God's wisdom says, is the source of all comfort. Now why did Paul write that? Because he had first-hand experience of it. Listen to what he says later on in that same letter, 2 Corinthians 7, 5-6. For when we came into Macedonia, we had no rest. But we were harassed at every turn. Conflicts on the outside, fears within. That describes how some of you feel this morning. As conflict all around you, there's fears within you. Listen to what he says. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. Our God is a comforter. He calls himself a comforter in the word. Isaiah 51 verse 12, just laying this foundation so we understand this. I, yes I, am the one who comforts you. This is God speaking about himself. I am the one who comforts you. When Jesus was talking to his disciples about the Holy Spirit, listen to what he says. John 14, 25 to 26. I have told you these things while I am still with you. But the helper, who is a comforter, an advocate an intercessor, a counsellor, a strengthener, a standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place to represent me and act on my behalf. He will teach you all things 
He will help you remember everything that I have told you. The Holy Spirit is a comforter. See, here's the mistake that we so often make. We think that the presence of trouble or the presence of disappointment equals the absence of our God. We think that he's abandoned us. We think that he's left us. We think that he's, you know, sorting out different things that are going on in the world. Or we think we've got it wrong, whatever it might be. But listen to these verses, because God's word speaks otherwise. Isaiah 43, 1 to 2, speaks of God's promised presence. It uses amazing imagery and wording. Listen to these words. When you pass through the deep, stormy sea, you can count on me to be there with you. When you pass through raging rivers, you will not drown. When you walk through persecution like fiery flames, you will not be burned up. The flames will not harm you. Listen, church, God is with you today in your disappointment. Whatever that disappointment represents, whatever that disappointment looks like, whether it was today or 15 years ago, God is with you in your disappointment. Psalm 23 promises that he'll even be with us in the valley of the shadow of death. He will be with us. Why? The Bible says to comfort us. Psalm 18 verse 6. In my distress I cried out to you, the delivering God. And from your temple throne you heard my troubled cry, and my sobs went right into your heart. Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. I'm just letting the word of God speak for itself this morning rather than trying to add too much to it. We could be here all day looking after verse after verse after verse. God is with us in our disappointment. And he's with you, church, to heal you. He's with you to help you. He's with you to strengthen you. He's with you to grow you. But he can only do that if you allow him in. He can only do that if you actually start being honest with yourself and with him as you communicate with him. Do you know that when you turn to God for comfort, you can be honest with him? I I don't know, maybe you were brought up in a religious mindset that says God can't handle your honesty God can't handle you being real with him and so your prayer life for many years has just been you know very religious very set very this is how I speak to God can handle your read the Bible God can handle honesty and the thing is you're wasting your time if you do otherwise because he knows exactly what you're thinking he knows exactly what's on your heart so we can go in feeling very religious oh just spent half an hour in prayer before the Lord Ebenezer I've knelt and I prayed and I said all these wonderful things I have no idea what they mean but I feel good about myself and God's waiting can we do this properly now can we actually deal with everything that's in your heart because I want to heal you I'm not here to harm you I want to heal you and bring you to a place of wholeness and strength can we just deal with this now listen to the way David because again we think well the Bible would never be honest before God Psalm 13 1 to 4 Some of you are going to be like, oh, okay. Oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. Can I encourage you, be honest when you come before God in prayer. Be reverent, honour, 
but be honest and real before your maker and your God. David's real. David's honest. David blunts. And that leads him to God's comfort. Now listen to what comes next. As he's honest, as he's real, as he's true, as he goes to God for comfort, listen to what comes next. But, so he's listed all of those things. God, are you even here? Are you, you paying attention? But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. When you are handling disappointment, the first place that you should turn, the first place that you should go to is the presence of God because God will comfort you and heal you in your pain. Don't turn to other things. They will wear off. They will do you no good. They will lead you down paths you don't want to go. Turn to God and not to other things. Here's the second bit of wisdom that I believe the Bible gives us about handling disappointment. It's this. We need to be people who know that God is in control. We need to be people who know that God is in control. When we go through seasons of disappointment, here's what we need to know. My God is sovereign. My God is sovereign. Now that may be a, a new phrase to you and, and we could be here all day um, looking at what sovereignty is and look at many different teachings and many different thoughts and aspects of that. But here's, in a very brief nutshell, if you boil it right down, here's what the sovereignty of God means. God is in control. God is in control. And recognizing that fact doesn't diminish your disappointment. It doesn't mean that there won't be times when you will feel frustrated and, and angry and aggrieved and scared and loads of different emotions. It doesn't mean that we won't find ourselves at times asking the question, why? See, sometimes the first thing that comes to your mind when you're facing disappointment is why. Why, God? Why did I have to go through the sickness? Why did they get cancer? Why did my marriage not work out? Why did that person leave me? Why am I seeing my loved ones suffer like this? God, why did I get abused as a child and I could do nothing about it? Where were you, God? Why did I get made redundant in the midst of a pandemic? Why are my neighbours treating me like this? Why can't we conceive a child? Why did we have a miscarriage? Why? Do you know, the Bible is full of people actually asking the question, why? Sometimes, again, we gloss over the Bible it's full of people asking the question, why? Lamentations 5, verse 21. Why do you continue to forget us? Why have you abandoned us for so long? Jeremiah 12, verse 1. Why are the wicked so prosperous? Why are evil people so happy? The writer of Psalm 44, 24 said this. Why do you look the other way? Why do you ignore our suffering and oppression? Even Jesus on the cross, Matthew 27, 46, it says this, And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The Bible asks the question, why? See, the Bible isn't some fairy tale book that, that ignores the struggles of life, it acknowledges pain, it acknowledges disappointment, and at times people ask the question, why? But here's the thing. For some things, you can find an answer to why. For some things, it's pretty obvious. You can look in the wisdom of God's word, and it shows you if you live a certain way, you'll reap a certain harvest. If you go down certain paths, then you're going to end up in certain wrong places. But there's, there's 
evidence and knowledge as to why certain things have happened. But do you know what? There's also things in life, those why questions that you carry, that you may not understand until you see Jesus face to face. God may give you revelation before you get there. God may give you spiritual understanding before you get there. But there are other things in life where you have some questions that you will not understand until the day you stand before Jesus face to face. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, the revealed things belong to us, the hidden things, the secret things belong to our God. But the question is this, will we still trust that God is good when we don't understand? Will we still believe that God is in control when life seems completely out of control? See, see as Christians, we love Romans 8, 28 when it suits us. We love to memorize scripture and tell the kids memorize eight romans eight twenty eight. we love to have it as a, a nice little fridge magnet on days when, when life is great and the, the sun is shining but what about understanding it when we're slap bang in the middle of handling disappointment romans eight twenty eight says this and we know that in all things everybody say all things we know that in all things god works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purposes. The Bible says in all things, even in our disappointments, even in those why moments, see the cross of Jesus Christ shouts loud that there is hope beyond the disappointment. There is joy beyond the pain. Morning may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning because God always has the final word. See, God can take your greatest disappointment and turn it around for eternal good. Now let me just clarify something so that we're not living under a warped theology. God will not put sickness on you. God is not the author of sickness. God, some people, you know, will, will, and maybe you even believe that, that God will put sickness on you in order to teach you a lesson. That is not the God that we believe in, okay? You, you need to understand the theology that we understand. So I'm not saying God will put that on you in order to teach you a lesson. Hear what I'm saying correctly this morning. What I'm saying is, whatever disappointment we face, we can still know our God is in control. And he wants to do good even through our disappointment. Yet he can only do that if you let him in and allow him to. Let me end with this. Luke chapter 24, and time doesn't allow us to, to go into it. But it's the account of two of Jesus' followers, and they're walking, they're leaving Jerusalem after the Passover celebrations, and they're walking the seven-mile journey to a village called Emmaus. And on that journey, they're walking, they're talking, and they've just been through the trauma of seeing Jesus arrested, seeing Jesus flogged, seeing Jesus humiliated, seeing Jesus lied about. They've seen him hung to a cross, and they've seen him buried in a tomb. And these two followers of Jesus are, are, are walking and they're, they're, they're talking about all of this. And into the storyline comes Jesus. Jesus appears before them. They're kept from recognizing who he is. But what an amazing picture of how when we walk in our disappointment, Jesus will walk with us. When we journey through pain, Jesus will journey through us in that pain. He wants to take us to a place of healing. And so they're kept from recognizing who Jesus is. You can read it. I'd really encourage you to read it in Luke chapter 24 at some point when you can. And they begin to talk to Jesus not knowing it's him. 
And they begin to say, haven't you heard? Are you like the only one who doesn't realize? Have you not been around? Where have you been? This Jesus who said he was going to do this and this Messiah that we believed for, suddenly he's not here. And this is what happened. And they begin to share their disappointment. And the Bible says that Jesus leads them through the word. And he says, no, no, but don't you remember the prophet said this? And the prophet said that. And don't you, don't you understand how this all lines up? And he begins to speak from the word. And then he's about to leave them and they say, no, no, come on in. They still don't recognize it's Jesus. They say, come on in and, and spend some time with us. Do some fellowship with us. So he goes in and again, they begin to share community. And then there's a moment when he breaks bread in that moment. And as he breaks the bread, they recognize that it's Jesus. They recognize that it's the resurrection and the life stood right before them. And all of a sudden, their disappointment turns to joy. Their disappointment turns to hope. The Bible says that their hearts began to burn within them. And they said, we, we've got to go back. And you've got to understand, this is, you know, they weren't getting an Uber back to Jerusalem. This is a seven-mile journey. They're in this moment. And the Bible says they rush back to Jerusalem in the middle of a night in what would have been maybe a dangerous and treacherous journey. But they're there because their hearts are so on fire. Suddenly, they, they've understood something. Now, listen, here's what I want you to catch this morning. As we talk about wisdom for hand, handling disappointment, Jesus teaches us some stuff here. He teaches us where to look to the Word. When they began to speak to him, and they said, oh, haven't you heard? Haven't you heard what Jesus, what does he do? He doesn't go, oh, let's sit down and tell me how you're feeling. He takes them to the word. And he says, no, can't you see this happen? And can't you see that happen? Listen, can I encourage you, when you are battling with disappointment, don't avoid your Bible. So often people go through disappointing times. People have let them down. They've disappointed themselves. God's disappointed them. And they just put their Bible to one side. I'll come back to that another time. This is a time to get in the Word. Because listen, when you're in the midst of pain and disappointment, God wants to teach you through the Holy Spirit through His Word. He wants to heal you through His Word. He wants to encourage you through His Word. He wants to teach you and shape you through His Word in this situation. Look to the Word. The account also teaches us to look to fellowship, to look to community. But these guys begged the man who they didn't recognize was Jesus. Like, come on, come on in. And they break bread and they speak together. Let me tell you, and now over 15 years of pastoring, we've seen a lot of heartache, a lot of people crushed, a lot of people disappointed. Let me tell you, time and time and time and time again, those who have come out stronger are always those who choose to heal in the context of community, not isolation, in the context of community. Now, what I'm not saying is put your hope in people. Those people should be pointing you to Jesus, okay? He is the hope. He is the healer. What I'm not saying is after the service, go around and tell everybody, well, I'm disappointed in life because I, you don't suddenly tell everybody in the world what's going on in your life. What I'm saying is get some people around you who know the word. Get some people around you who love Jesus. Get some people around you who are solid in their faith. And do you know what they're going to do? They're going to begin to encourage you. When the world says, hey, let's go for, to the pub. Oh, you're disappointed. They don't know how to handle it. They don't know how to help you. So hey, let, let's go to the pub. Let's, you should visit this website. Let's go down this route. Let's do this. Let's do that. But the people of God will get around you. They'll encourage you. 
They'll point you to Jesus. They'll say, this is how we handle it. Can I please, please, please encourage you? If you are in a time of disappointment, disappointment is not a time to isolate because God wants to heal you in the context of community. If you're disappointed, and I'm not saying this pointedly at anybody, okay? Please know it. But I'm saying this because I've journeyed a lot with people over a lot of time. If you're disappointed with a church, come and speak. As we spoke about last week, how to handle conversation. Come and speak. Don't let that disappointment lead you to a place of isolation. The enemy over the last 18 months has had us all isolated. And you see the outcome of that. Listen, if you're disappointed, choose to do life in the context of community. And finally, and I'll end with this. This account teaches us to look to the resurrection. To look to the risen King. Because when you look to Jesus... You understand, he's one who understood disappointment firsthand. He handled disappointment. And yet, today he is risen. He is alive. There is hope beyond your disappointment. There is joy beyond your pain. And yes, disappointment can shake us. And yes, disappointment can throw us, of course. But Jesus, the resurrection and the life underlines the truth that God is still in control I don't know what your disappointment may be today I don't know what what secret pain you may be handling or or struggling with today but God does and I want to underline and reassure you again God is not some distant cosmic being who's not interested in what's going on in life he's a loving heavenly father who is close to the broken hearted and he wants to comfort you and he wants to remind you he is in control and there is hope let's just pray let's just close our eyes in this place this morning I just want to end this service by praying for people today and I want to pray for two groups of people the, the first group are people who have never given their lives to Jesus Christ or maybe have wandered away from God and today you need to make a comeback I just want to pray a prayer over you and then if that's you today then after the service I want you to head to the back of a room and and speak with with Mark. There's no excuse for not knowing who he is. We prayed for him a minute ago. Speak to Mark and say, Mark, I'm interested more in this this journey of Christianity. I want to know more about this Jesus. And I just want to pray a prayer over your life this morning. We'll be able to help you on that journey, take next steps, and, and also give you tools that enable you to know who you are. Heavenly Father, I pray for anybody here today who has never professed faith in Jesus Christ, who wonders what life is all about, who feels weary, who feels lost. Father, I thank you that you have made them for relationship. And Lord, I thank you that you've dealt with the sin issue that kept us from knowing you personally. Thank you for Jesus. And Lord, I thank you that there's an opportunity today of a new life, a brand new existence. Lord, for those who maybe class themselves as prodigals, they've gone away from you and today they're coming home we speak welcome home we speak it's a new day and lord i pray that they would be brave enough to speak and connect after the service in order that we can just position them for where you want them to be thank you heavenly father just in these closing moments just keep your eyes closed i want to pray just as last week god began to for his holy spirit minister to people who have been broken by conflict i believe god today wants to to begin a process. It may not be that you walk out of this place feeling completely different, but he wants to begin a process in your life where he can take that disappointment and do something amazing with it that you could never 
ever imagined. Heavenly Father, I just pray for your Holy Spirit to begin to just minister to people in this place. Those who are disappointed, those who are carrying disappointments from from childhood, from being a teenager, from broken promises, from dreams that were unfulfilled, for marriages that failed, for children that are far away from you and from their parents right now, for illnesses that we haven't understood. Lord, for all these disappointments that people may be carrying this morning, Holy Spirit, would you just begin to heal people? Begin to give people joy. Begin to comfort the brokenhearted. Lord, I pray that people would be brave enough to be honest with you and with people around their life that they love. And I pray that we would ever be the church that gets around people who are struggling and disappointed and fed up. And Lord, that they would be pointed to you, Jesus. We aren't the answer, you are. So Heavenly Father, I thank you that you turn mourning into dancing. You turn disappointment into joy. Father, thank you for a new season, a new season in people's lives. A journey of healing and restoration. Father, I thank you for the last couple of weeks, what you're doing in us and through us and how you're just shaping us, Lord, and how you're using the word to just heal people in their brokenness so that they can be strong and whole and ready to have an impact on other people. Lord, your word says that you comfort us so that we can comfort other people with the same comfort. So Lord, I thank you that as people are healed over time, Lord, that they will be a strength to other people who are going through stuff. Thank you, Lord. You are in control. You are still on the throne and you are good. In your mighty name we pray, Jesus. Amen and amen. Come on, give God praise this morning.